take our Bibles and look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll start there. And I appreciate the Lord allowing us to be here. Appreciate your pastor. Been a good friend all 25, 26 years I've known him. And always, like he said, he's always been the same. I'm glad to know that there's still some people out there that still stand for the things of God. We live in a day and age where trying to figure out how to program God out of a service. And I mentioned to my wife this morning all the programs we know and all the skits we can do and all the little things you can do. God don't even think a thing about it. He's still got his way of doing things, and we're going to look at his way of doing things. And I hope that the Lord will help us see all this stuff today. Second Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. Now you're looking there at the key verse of this chapter. And the first thing he brings up is a great trial of affliction. This is not a Joel Osteen gospel. This is not a Joel Osteen ministry we're in right now. We're not sister churches with Jimmy Swaggart and we don't like oral ripoff either. And if I forgot anybody, please hand me a note and I'll get them tonight. My pastor, when I first got saved, said, do not watch Christian television. I thought, well, what does he know? He's just an old man. He knew something. When they start talking about how they raised the dead and can't provide proof, they're lying. I went to this church one time and a friend of mine had invited me. I just got my first suit and, you know, stuff like that. And he said, don't you come over here tonight? I said, our church is tonight. He said, well, you have plenty of time once y'all get done. And I went over there and I remember the lady on the front row fell out. And when she hit the floor, I knew what she did. She fell like a wrestler. She protected herself in the fall. I saw that moan to eyes and I thought, oh my, what have I just stepped into? They put the pulpit down there and brought the communion table up here. And some woman was standing there in the microphone and said, you'll know it when God gets a hold of you. And, and the two guys behind her, you know, doing this. And I thought, man, what a show. We could sell tickets for this. And I thought, you know, this is crazy. It really is. Somebody asked me last night, I said, where's God and all that? I said, nowhere near it. God, God has chained himself to this book. And he said he put this book above his own name in Psalm 138, verse 2. I had one of my Bible Institute students ask me this question. He said, why do you put God in a box? I said, I didn't put him there. He put himself there. He put himself in his word and put that above his name. So when you see stuff like that, you can go here and find out if it's real. Isn't that something? God's protecting you with his word. I had to sign 53 times to buy the house I'm in right now for the loan thing. 53 times. I've never wrote my name that many times in a day in my life. And I looked at that and I, 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 I was going to ask the lady why so many papers and it hit on me. There's 52 times somebody did something stupid and tried to break their contract. Isn't that something? You know God only signed this book one time? I found out, listen to this, it's a very deep thought, and I want you to get this, okay? There are three testaments to the Bible, three, okay? Now listen to me, it's not the Book of Mormon, that's not the third one. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Old Word, the New Word, and the Living Word. He's chained himself to this book. That three is the fingerprint of God when it shows up. I know you caught this morning, your Sunday school teacher was teaching on Elijah and Elisha, Terry shows up three times right there. God puts his fingerprint on this book. And let me, let me clear this. The King James Bible. That's for the YouTubers out there and the faith promisers and whoever else. Not faith promisers. Uh, fake book. Fake. fake <laughs> Facebook. Fake. I, I had it right the first time. And uh, that God does that so he can help you and know, you can know where God is. I had a salesman ask me just recently, he said, Let me, uh, he said how do you know the Bible's real? I said, because it changed my life. How do you know God's in it? I said, he's the one doing the changing. I said, that's how I know. It wasn't experience. It's power. Uh, I have a friend, and I won't call his name, but he stuck his, uh, he bit a light socket, a cord in the plug in the light socket. It changed him forever. He only did that when he was two, by the way. He didn't keep doing it. You understand 
And that, that told me something. You get a hold of power one time, you're never going to forget that thing. So we look at verse 2 there. Down to verse 3 says, For to their what? Power. I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Praying for us in much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to, and to us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus as he had begun to as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, in your love to, to us, see that you abound in, in this grace also. He said, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Today we're going to take a look at the elements of faith promise missions. Everything you know is made up either of one element or more. There's three that's going to show you some faith promise things this morning. And then we'll look at chapter 9 and some other tonight. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord God, for letting us be here and be alive. Thank you, God, for being in a good church with a great pastor and, and being around the great men of God and, and things that you provided here at this church. Lord, thank you for the musicians playing so well, the singers, everything we've heard today, Lord, in our ears today, everybody here. And Lord, we come to you now, we pray two things, Lord. We pray Psalm 119, verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law, that we may understand your message today. And God, help me to preach that message according to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And Lord, we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. As we look today, there are some... Um, misguided and false ideas about church growth. I'm going to give you three in the course of the day. Number one is that growing means God is in it. I don't know how they do it down here, but when they ask you how you're doing and how your church is doing, when you tell them it's not growing, they go, bless your heart. In other words, they think you're a failure, your church is a failure, and your preacher's a failure. Because your church is not growing. True story. They learned it from Gaffney because that's how we do it up there. I mean, I'm a little kid remembering that. And the way we do it up there is we, we do the same words. And I, I love it when people ask me, well, now, how's your church, hon? Doing any better since the last time I talked to you? I've learned over the years to not say everything I think. And I want to tell him it's doing great because you are not there to hinder what God's doing. I had a guy come install a PA system one time. And he looked at all their prayer cards and said, who are these people? Now, he's not an independent Baptist. He's something else. And we won't mention it to give them any advertisements. But he said, who are these people? I said, that's missionaries we support. He said, what do you mean support? Y'all have a program that does us? No, we, we take it up in the offer plate and we send it to them. He said, what, like $5 each? I said, no, like... I said, no more like $25 each, because this is like 1999, 2000, 2001. Now we do 50 Unless we're really lucky, then we'll give you $51. That's the one more dollar, you know. But we sat there and told, we was talking with that guy, and the guy in my church sitting there, he said, why do you ask? He said, well, I was just wondering. It seems like such a poor church. He said, where do you work at? I said, here. He said, where do you used to work at? I said, here. I ain't had a job in 25 years but that one. I could, listen, I could fill up my church. My church would make a good choir if I brought them all in tonight. But we found out something. Growing doesn't mean God's in it. Tell you why. When you go out today, somewhere along the road, you're going to find the dead possum Baptist church in the middle of the road. He'll be somewhere. He always is. And if you got a sorry dog catcher in Packlet, and I hope you're not here or listening... But if he don't come get him out of the way, the next day, you're going to notice something. They're having to set out chairs in Mr. Possum's Baptist Church because it's starting to expand a little bit. And then after a few more days of the, of the sorry dog catcher not getting it, again, my apologies in advance if you're a good one, you're going to come back the third day and you're going to see that they have had to open the doors and set out chairs outside in Possum Baptist Church. If, if God will, on the fourth day, he's still there. 
and you come by him again, you're going to notice something. He's going to almost be double in size with people sitting outside the front door. And he's as dead as he was the first time you saw him. After going through what seemed like depression of hearing everybody saying, if your church is not growing, God ain't in it type thing. They taught us in school to grow your church, do this, to do this, to do this. And every bit of it can be found in the Purpose Driven Church written by Rick Warren. And everybody who reads that book in South Carolina does it wrong. They try to make California here. It will never work here. Here's why. Anything that comes west to east, is God is not in that thing. God goes east to west. <laughs> Paul got saved on Damascus Road. According to the Bible, he stayed there three, he went to Arabia, then after three years in Damascus with Pastor Ananias, who helped him out to start with when nobody else would lay hands on him. He goes up and he goes east. He heads towards the west going to Antioch. He goes west from there and he winds up in Rome. The gospel went to Spain, to England, and guess which direction they come? They came over here and we fought the British for the same thing we're allowing in this country right now. And then when we won, we started going again east to west with the gospel. Crazy, right? Go read your Bibles, same direction. I love Bible maps. Boy, they're great. They teach you all this stuff. And after looking at all those things right there, I think it would be good to tell you how depression works in a pastor. You go into a church, and if you think growing means God's in it, after two years, God ain't there. Because the one that left for the last preacher has come back. Now they left because you're there, and you're basically the same place you started. Then you get depressed about it and you go uh, uh, fill out a resume and go to another church. This happens some guys five to seven times in the course of their ministerial career. Sad. So I'm over at Tabernacle Baptist Church. I'm in their bookstore. I found they had a bookstore. And I picked up a little booklet by a guy named Stennett Blue. Never heard of him before in my life. I finally met him. We were friends before, we, before he died. And I looked at that book and I said, what's missing in missions? And he approached the thing a whole lot differently than I'd been taught. I was taught Acts chapter 2, Pentecost happened, 3,000 saved. A few more chapters later, 2,000 saved, 5,000 saved, yay! But if you're not doing that, you're not in the will of God. That's what I was taught. Did they teach you that too? Is that right? We've never talked about this. So I'm riding down the road. Uh, I learned a trick. You ride down the road and read is not good, so I pulled over on the side of the road. <laughs> Northbound I-85, right past exit 49, and read that entire book sitting there. Tears rolling down my face. So why? Because for the first time in my life, I understood what happened in the book of Acts. Here's how it goes. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Clear instruction to be witnesses for him in four distinct places. Jerusalem, where they were standing. Judea, right outside of where they were at there, their state. Uh, what was that next one again? Samaria, the places you don't like to go. And the uttermost parts, the place if you get there, the place you left the uttermost parts. And then in Acts chapter 1, he descended into heaven. And they're going, so why were they doing that? They didn't have Superman. They didn't know what that was. They'd never seen nothing like that and you hadn't either. You may see it on a TV show. I mean, watch a man go straight into heaven like that. And they sat there, and some guy comes up and says, hey, don't you remember what he just said? Now go get about the Father's business. So they got in there, and they prayed until the place was shaken, etc. In chapter 1, chapter 2, they replaced Judas. They thought, we've got to have 12 guys to do this. They didn't know God had to pick the 12th guy, so they helped him out. Later, God would pick his 12th guy. And then they, they all get together. The day of Pentecost happens, and the greatest miracle you've ever read about in the Bible happens probably right there outside of the virgin birth. Here it is. It wasn't in the lost people's ears. It was unlearned and ignorant 12 guys out there that didn't know any language but probably Hebrew and maybe a little Greek because they were Jews. They spoke in, if there was 165 different nationalities there, they spoke in every tongue at one time. I'd like to see old Abishiba who stole my Honda and look at my bow tie pull that thing off. I mean, they'd never studied the languages in their life. They go to speak at all them distinct languages and everybody there heard in their own tongue. 
the miracle wasn't in, in their ears. The miracle was in their mouths, the, the, the preachers he put up there. And the next time somebody challenges you on that, just tell them this. It takes three people to pull that thing off. A guy that doesn't know a language, speaking that language, out of the blue, never studied it. A guy hearing that language that also has never studied the language and being able to tell what he's saying, and a Jew. And the message is going to be the same every time with tongues. You want to tell what the message is? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Not this, I see God doing great things in your future. I'm seeing a light. and That's baloney. And they, they sit there and they got that message. Thousands get saved. They said, we kind of like this. We can drive Cadillacs now instead of these Pintos. And in Acts chapter 3, you know, they progress onward there. They, they actually do the Pentecostal thing that you see on TV, but you find out they're doing it wrong. I'll tell you this. Acts chapter 5, they had slain in the spirit twice. God killed two people standing right in front of that altar, that church. That's slain in the spirit. That's the only time you see something like that happen in a church, right? And, and then the craziest thing happens. In Acts chapter 6, they had a racial discrepancy between the Jews and the Greeks. And then the craziest thing happens. They hired deacons to fix it. <laughs> How dumb is that, right? Now listen to this. They get to Acts chapter 7, and the guy that was full of the Holy Ghost, they arrest him. And we're looking at an age coming up where if you full of the Holy Ghost, they'll be resting you here for a long time. You better pray for this election overturner. We're going to be in a show enough mess. Yep. And it's not him I'm worried about, it's her. Yeah, that's right. He can't find his way out of a, a, a one-doored room. <laughs> Tell you what I seen the other day. He's sitting there with his mask on inside a house and like at a table sitting like this. The camera looking right at him and the press secretary that he's hired here and the guy that's uh, filtering the questions making softballs over here. And he stops and says, why does that guy always ask all the questions? I'm thinking, you hired him, dummy. Why, why does he do it? <laughs> Think about what I just told you. That, that, no, no one's at home. Before he got up from the debates, they, 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 they injected him with insulin and steroids for 48 hours before each debate. Isn't that something? He, he wouldn't even know his name if they wouldn't have done all that for him. Now listen to this. We get up to chapter 7 and the worst thing that could happen is he preaches them people and then they start biting him and kill him with stones. Right. Now get that. Full of the Holy Ghost got bit by lost people, and then they stoned him to death. Acts chapter 8, the church says, you know what? We're leaving Jerusalem. And that's when Stand Up Loose said they finally got the message. They weren't supposed to stay there and have a mega church. They're supposed to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts. And the crazy thing is, when they started doing it, then God started working and spreading the gospel through people. In Acts chapter 8, one of the most talked about things in that chapter is Philip and all his converts. And then the craziest thing happened, God says, leave and go somewhere else. He goes from being uh, the, the growing church and the next big thing to being what? Out in the middle of a desert with a guy headed back to Ethiopia with a copy of Isaiah in his hands. Understandest what thou readest? How can I except some man guide me? He wins that man to Christ. Chapter number 9 follows that. Saul's got his papers in his hands. He's going to arrest all you Bible believers and something happens then. Jesus shows up in an unprecedented move and, and, and Paul called him by his right name. Never seen him before, never heard of him other than what people had said. And he said, Lord, what must I do? Capital L. He knew. Acts chapter 10, a Gentiles over there, an old racist Jew Peter who wouldn't go to the Gentiles, gets sent to that Gentile, wins him to Christ. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the gospel goes to all the world in those three chapters. So by the time I've read that book, I'm ready to go back and make changes at our church because I see what God's doing. And for anybody who will say, your pastor is mean, that's why your church isn't growing, I'm going to give you something to tell them, but I want you to tell them in a nice way. Everybody promise? <laughs> tell them that I said they've not added a pew to that stinking church they're in in 20 years. You don't need their advice. That's right. That's right. That's the way they're doing gathering. Oh, they're mean down there. But yeah, they can't add no choose. Why, why aren't you in depression? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? 
Listen to me. We're talking about the elements of faith, promise, missions. All of them are right here that we're going to look at the people God uses. Look at verse 3. Here's the people. For to their power, the people, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They were just willing. Listen, when you fill out these cards tonight, are you going to be willing to let God do to you what, give to you what he won't give through you? You say you can't budget that. No, but God can. I've noticed that every year that we've had faith promise, we started in 1999, we haven't added pews to our church until this year, actually. We got new pews. That's adding pews to your church, if I've ever heard it in my life. And uh, we, we enjoy them. God blessed us with those things. Listen, here's the thing. We don't get to see in our church the, 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 the power that faith promise given, but when missionaries send letters, I get to hear about it from all over the world. And if you will be so kind and find out what time zone they're in, you can call them. Their phone number is always on their card. If they got a Facebook, call them in the middle of the night. Call them at 9 o'clock your time, 3 o'clock their time. Wake them up. Tell them how much you love them. <laughs> no, don't really do that. That was okay. But what, I, what I'm saying is we support real missionaries with real money that a real God puts in our hands that we don't have to give but when we give it, God takes care of us because of one thing. We were willing to do what God said. So what's that called? Faith. Faith. Does it work like that at your house or you've got to budget it in? Well, I can give 36.5 cents to missions this year. No, you knew better than that. We started with $5 a piece. $5. So what that do? I, I can't begin to tell you what all it done. We were able to take on missionaries within a few months, and we've got to see a lot of things God's done just because of starting out right and being willing. God uses people, and he uses willing people. Now notice this. Look down at verse 5. He says, and this they did, not as we had hoped, he says, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So you got people that gave, they dedicated themselves, and then they gave to missionaries. And there's only two things your missionary asks for. Number one, pray for them. If you can't take them on, keep their card and pray for them. Build you a little library of cards up. They're, they're, listen, they want you to have a card so you'll see them and remember to pray for them. I'd be willing to say this on behalf of any missionary who's got anything about him, God about him at all. You'd rather have their prayers and their money. Makes a difference. But the second thing a missionary wants is to be paid. They won't, they won't be able to eat while they're on the field. I would not even begin to tell you stories I've heard of what they have on the field that you won't serve in your international dinner. You've heard how about a good round of bull intestines and you don't know if they clean them out before they put them on your plate? You got to eat that or it'll offend the locals. How about this? That very food that you don't like for me, it is uh, um, potato salad. And don't come up to me after church and tell me you've never ate mine. I've had yours and 10,000 like it and they all taste like potato salad to me, okay? <laughs> I've tried in all these fellowships I've been to and I've snuck, just nobody's asked me. And just tried it. I think, God, that's the worst stuff in the world. And I, and I like every ingredient in it. But it. There's just something about you put them things together. I don't like it. And like I said, don't come out of church saying it because I won't eat yours either. I'm done. I'm 51 now. I'll tell you no and not have to worry about it. Okay? <laughs> so we get to this part of this thing. They were willing. They gave their own selves to the Lord by the will of God. You know what the will of God is? Pray for that missionary. Take care of them financially. Every, every dime counts in missions. Every dime. Now notice this. He says in verse 8, here's why you do this. He said, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. I'm going to go to the Greek for just one time and show you something. You ready for this? That last phrase, prove the sincerity of your love, it says this. Don't sing it, bring it. That's what it says. Bring what? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe you could bring your offering and put it in the thing. Bring yourself and be here. Three times a week, not one or two. The first step in backslides is missing one service. 
The second step is being okay with it. The third step, we don't see you no more. There's some people that for some reason, they've never got this through their head. God is not done with you. There's the best is yet to come. And it don't matter what goes on around you, you can be full of the Holy Ghost and live for Jesus and have a great time in the Lord all by yourself. I hear preachers say, well, I had such good liberty to preach in that place. You ought to have that everywhere you go because you brought him in with you. Don't start that, I had liberty here, I didn't have liberty there. You carry liberty with you. Christian, if you go to another church to visit the church, you carry liberty with you. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. He happens to dwell in you. You have that. And listen to this. If you go to a place to preach, some of you preachers and that are missionaries, and they kind of look funny, just, just take your glasses off. They all look the same. Then they're all blurry looking. I got to think this morning, if I left my glasses, I had to preach everything from memory. And I don't have that good of a memory, so that wouldn't be good. But if, if you get cross with me looking at me, I won't know it right now. So go ahead and take your best shot. See, I'll respond to it. See, it don't bother me at all. Isn't that right, uh, Brother Blurry back there? Is that somebody? Wait a minute, I see a guy. Hold on. I see you now. I know who you are. Now listen to this. We're living for the Lord. We're giving ourselves to the Lord. He said, by the will of God. That's the people God uses. They want to be used by the will of God. Second element, if you look down at verse number 11, he points this out. The pattern God uses. He says very plainly right here, he says this, Now therefore perform the doing of it, that is, there was a readiness to will, that so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Now you see the readiness to will. He said there's that right there, so there be a performance out of it. And these are all contrasts. You got a readiness to will in verse 11 and the performance of it. If you're ready, do it. Ain't that simple and good? Then he says in the next verse, for if there first be a willing mind, it is acceptable according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. God wants to make a trade with you. He wants your haths for your hath nots. He's going to give you the ability to give in this pattern that we're talking about that will not work in any other place but a church. Because that's where God does business. You know what kind of mission board I don't like? I don't like it when they charge 10% to be in their board. That's a church at that point. And it's double dipping when you get up that far as what one of them told me. I thought, man, that's cool, double dipping. That's, I like that. But you, you don't give your money to a mission board. You give it to a church. And when you give it to the church, the church d distributes the funds to the missionaries. There may be mission boards that are helps and whatnot, but the board don't have power over the church or the missionary. They're there to help the missionary. These that want to lord over God's heritage, listen, God's going to get you one day. I noticed that they, they, they had the willingness, they had the performance, they had the half, they had the half-nots. And then verse 14, he says, but, as, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, and their abundance may be a supply for your want. This is called a missionary that's hereafter. You ever heard that before? He is up there in your pulpit, and he wants money. That's what he's hereafter. I'm not going to kid you about this. They, they got to have money. I, I, I read the other day where Clemson University was supposed to travel to Florida and play a school. They rented or had nine buses. I don't know if they rented them. I know they had nine buses there. Do you know to do all that and go down there and then tell them they don't have a game? And you know that costs three hundred thousand dollars, put the, uh, over a quarter million dollars to drive, drive from Greenville to wherever they were at in Florida and drive three hundred thousand dollars. Isn't that something? I don't even like Clemson. I felt bad for them. Three hundred. Let that sink in. Three hundred thousand dollars. Anybody got that? They'd like to spend on gas this week. Good. Now that I know I'm preaching to us, listen to this. He said, they want to trade their abundance for your want and your want for their abundance. Now, as a preacher, you know that we only work three hours a week. <laughs> Why do you think we went into preaching? We didn't like working. We woke up one day craving watermelon and chicken and you God called us. It's just simple as that. When a preacher tells me he don't like fried chicken, he's a fake and a phony. No way man can be called not like fried chicken. I don't care if you can't eat it because of some kind of condition, but you like it, though, so that's the main thing. 
But I noticed that he said, he said, we want to trade your abundance for their want. You've got an abundance of time you spend on a job. You hate that job. No, I love my job. I'll prove to you you hate your job. Ready? They have to pay you to be there. <laughs> now, if that ain't something you hate, I, you tell me what, 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 what it is. If they didn't pay you, you wouldn't show up. But the missionary, he's out on deputation. He's on the field. He's got an abundance of time. You know what I want him to do? Pray for me. Pray for our church. I'm going to trade my abundance of working 40 plus hours a week and send him money and he's going to send prayers. Now, on the back side of that, listen, he points out their abundance and your want. He, we want him to pray for us and we want, him to, we, we want the church to send money to the missionary and the missionary pray for the church. I'm not concerned with the missionary writing me every month telling me he had 10 people saved. Because sometimes that don't happen. Some of you struggle. Some of you don't see a convert for a year, two years, things like that. I don't think you're a failure unless you're just not preaching the gospel to them. If, they're, if you're preaching the gospel to them and they're not responding, that's all on them. Because the good news still stands. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And if they turn him down, they're not turning you down. They're turning him down. But I notice as I look into this thing and I see that the, the, you got the pattern God uses, the people God uses. And then look in verse 6. In so much that we desired Titus as that he had, had, as he had begun so he, would give, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. There's a thing here that you need to see is the pastor that God uses. The pastor God uses. I'm not going to say a whole lot about your pastor because he's going to, he, he probably taught me all this. But I will say this. If God has a pastor in your life, don't walk off. Where's the guy that taught Sunday school at? Where you, there you are. That thing about sticking with your pastor, even when he makes you mad. Oh my goodness, I've never been to a preaching service. Somebody that make me mad preaching. Really? Have you ever gotten mad at your preacher? Sure you have. If you were listening, you did. Why would he do such a thing? He's trying to help you. I heard the other day that this surgeon went in, he's headed towards the operating room, and the mother of the child that was in there said, now you take good care of him. And please make sure you do what you're supposed to do. And he looked at her and said, you know, I've never had nobody in 30 years tell me that since I've been out of school, but I appreciate it. He said from that day forward, he always thought about that woman. Do right, take care of my kid, take care of my patient, whatever it was. So in doing that, you know what he never showed up doing? He never showed up in a fireman's outfit to do surgery. He never showed up in a police uniform to do surgery. He never dressed like a bum to show up and do surgery. He dressed up like a surgeon and went and done surgery. When I see a pastor come on the platform and he don't have a tie and his shirt's hanging out and he's up here doing all this, I'm gone. He's not dressed like a surgeon. So then people make you mad, no, they're just very disappointing. There is a difference, by the way. But then when I see a pastor show up and he preaches to me, if he's not making me mad and not helping me, I'm going to pray God use him. And then I'm going to regret the service after the next time I've prayed that because God uses him. And there's going to be something he's going to do while he's in that service that's going to cut me from one side to the other. And all of a sudden I'm saying, I don't like him anymore. You don't have to like him. You don't have to like me. But do love me and pray for me, okay? And I, I'm not interested in your money. I'm just here to get those guys some money. Why? I think y'all sang about it. I've never seen what? Righteous. He that's in me is righteous. I've never seen the righteous doing what? And yet God takes care of that. Why? He's not taking care of you. He's taking care of his son inside you. He don't like to starve, obviously, in me. Don't come to me for dietary advice. I don't have none. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Go to your pastor about anything you can think of and let him help you with the Bible. Follow him as he follows Christ. And get this, about Titus there, it says there in that verse, if I, if I read this correctly, he said what he begun, he's also going to finish. How about that? 
You know, I learned faith promise missions. I kept hearing your pastor, Brother Carter, and him talking. They would say the words faith promise. And I thought, what in the world is faith promise? Looked up in the dictionary. It's only in two different words. And neither one of them related to each other in the way that they were using it. And I finally went to Brother Carter and said, tell me about faith promise. He said, why don't you take your Bible and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, verse by verse. Look at everything, study the thing, and you come back and tell me what faith promise is. That year, I spent six service, six weeks preaching that year and raised over a quarter million dollars for missions that I never saw a dime of. Good. Why? Because I just told them what I'm telling you. This is simple. If you've got the pastor that God uses, you've got the pattern that God uses, and you're the people God uses, you're already on the right track. Some of you have been doing this for years. You could tell me better how it runs, but I'm going to tell you a couple of things right quick. Ben Atkins at my church, I think Ben's 60 or more years old, I think. I, I, I don't remember the, all that stuff. I just know he's older than me, which is good enough. Been coming to our church faithfully 20 years. We were at Cracker Barrel in Gaffney, South Carolina, fixing to eat breakfast and go fishing. It's in the Bible. And we walk out into a crowded store area with the zombies out there. And this is pre-walking dead. They're just out there, uh, you know, doing all this. And he leans over me and says, there's a $100 bill under my foot. I said, did you tithe? He said, yes, sir. Did you give faith promise? He said, yes, sir. I said, then you're buying breakfast. Nobody in here I know is stupid enough to hold up a $100 bill in a crowded cracker barrel with the zombies that all come back to life at once. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, you know. Now, I did say this. If they had had the serial number, I'd have gave it to them. But I, I said, go ahead, buy breakfast for us. Well, you had $100 extra, dollars, you know. I'm not a beggar, but I'm not stupid either, you know. But I, I think about stuff like that. Does God do stuff like that? Sure he does. Sure he does. Will he do it for you? I don't know. I can't see the future. Although people expect me to, I just know this. I know how it ends. I just don't know all the roads we're getting to get there. But I do know this. Faith, you believe God, God promises, he brings it to pass. Now let me give you something else here. When you got a pastor that God uses and you're sitting in a church and you're following God's pattern and God does this thing... He'll put a heart in Titus over here, like he says, that will make all the difference in your life. So why is that? His heartbeat will beat with God's, and you can get in on that. The first step is simple. Just believe God. I've heard people say, well, I don't know about all that. Times are so tight at our house. Really? So tight? How many of you ever lived off $100 a week in the last 20 years? With a family of three and, I, three and one coming. What, nobody? I'm the only one? That's what they told me they'd pay me when I came to the church in 1995. Times were tough then. I pastored under the Clinton administration and the Obama administration and got fat on both of them. <laughs> so how'd that happen? I got a God who knows my address that would send pizzas when we didn't have groceries. <laughs> So who done that? I have to assume God called him because nobody ever owned up to it. I'm some Domino's and Pizza Hut showing up on a regular basis. I'm thinking, man, this is cool. <laughs> Honey, we need to call and send somebody a pizza today. I feel like a pizza dinner for somebody. Just be good to them. No other reason. Especially people I don't like. We can do that today too, I know. But you take stuff like that and let God use you. He'll give to you the things he won't let you have, but he'll give them through you. Do you know that, that through all those hard times, they were, they were there for our learning. We learned faith. It wasn't, oh God, what are we going to do? It's God, thank you for what you're going to do because I know you're going to do it. Had a situation come up in my life, there was no way out but either the truth or prison. You know what God did? Expose the thing with the truth. Right? You ever try to preach in prison thinking they're going to lock you in when you go in? Try that one on. You know what God does? I got the key to the door. You're going out of here. Police pass our house. And I didn't find out years later what they were doing. They were driving slow by the house. I kept thinking, this thing's going on that I don't know only God can handle, you know. 
I'm sitting inside going, they're fixing to turn the driveway. Oh, thank God they didn't. I'm not talking about before I slept, I'm after I've been saved. Somebody lying on us. You ever somebody lie on you like that? And the funny thing is, I went to prison one night, came home, and then people are sitting, on, my wife sitting on the porch crying. They had just left. They were wanting to apologize and get things right. So years later, I'm talking to this detective. He says, do you still live over there? And he named a place. I said, no, I live behind the church. At the time, I was living behind the church. He said, you know what the funny thing is? We used to ride by your house all the time, make sure you was okay. I thought you had warrants. What? Okay. <laughs> Look at verse 24 in your Bible. He said, wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love. Do you remember we read that a while ago, verse 8? He says, and of our boasting on your behalf. I didn't look what y'all gave to Faith Promise last year. I didn't look to see what missionaries you support. But I know this, if you'll obey God, God will increase both of them. No doubt in my mind. I'm a missionary to the Rednecks and Gaffney. If you're looking for one, I'm right here. But on, on, on a serious note, I, I want you to notice. He said, show ye to them. Okay? God means that. Your church is not considered a good church or a big church by those that be of upper whatever in Christianity. We were at a conference at the Sword of the Lord, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, a conference for small churches. I'm there. Five guys I preach for are there with their families. And some dude in the middle of the afternoon says, he said, all right, I'll take questions. The guy said, what's a small church? He said, about 500 people. I watched everyone in pastors get up and walk out. And I thought, if they're going, I'm going with them. Have you ever read 500? I've never heard you talk about it. But what I have heard is this. God will use a church this size and then 10,000 member outfits while they're rocking for Jesus and not doing nothing you'll get to heaven and go in there and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why? Because you were faithful what God gave you. John 6, 9, the guy with the fishes and loaves, right? What'd he have? Faith. When the master called, he went to him and done what he said. Simple, simple. What you need to do is just get along with that little card you got. Well, what you want me to do? Now, I'm going to tell you what God's not going to tell you, okay? He's not going to say, give your bass boat, your Harley, what other things you say you had again, and all that stuff, and your whole paycheck every week. But he does want more than 10%. Do you know what the percentage God wants? 100. 10 comes back automatically. Faith promises what he wants, but it doesn't stop there. He wants the rest of it, too, to tell you how to spend it and what to put it on. And if you do that, God will bless you. This ain't Jesse Duplantis and some TV preacher. Oh, if you don't send money, they're going to take me off there. Please quit sending them money. Please, please don't give them no more money. They own satellites, houses with three swimming pools that are Olympic size, cars, airplanes, and you want to send them money? Let's invest in heaven, not humanity. The human race as a whole is condemned, cursed, and one day will be called out before a thrice holy God and they will pay for everything they've done at that judgment as he puts them in the lake of fire forever. They don't understand this. Bible thumpers. Y'all go down there and give all your money. Boy, if they seen the tithing records of this church, they wouldn't say that, would they? So have you seen them? No, but I pastor church. I know what I'm talking about. We got the most unusual church in the world. 93% of our people tithe. I fuss at the other seven all the time. That's what people think. I'm like you. I preach your money once a year, and it's usually Easter or Christmas. Good times. You get a bigger crowd in there then. I preached on hell one Easter Sunday morning. And somebody got to me and said, you didn't preach on tithing this year. I said, you know, I want to change things up a bit, you know. <laughs> you got to know your audience. But listen to this. You take this thing about faith promise and don't just say, it's all in God's hands. No, it's in your hands. If it's all in God's hands, we'd already have it. Your hands are doing this. Do this. 
Y'all ever heard of a guy in North Carolina named Alan Barker? You ever heard of him? I would have done this, but I ain't got $100 to go do it with. And I, the banks wouldn't give me money. They're short on change and stuff like that now and all this. But I wanted $101 bills for a reason. He did it in our church. He said, I'm going to have you stand here. He said, it had somebody stand there. And he said, I'm going to stand back here. And every time he'd hand a dollar to the middle guy, he'd turn around and hand it to this guy. He said, I'm God. This is the church. This is the heathen. He said, now he's doing it thing. Finally, he got to doing it so fast. Bills are flying all over the place. He then said this. He said, if you'll understand this, he said, no, the middle guy, he said, start putting them bills in your pocket. So he grabbed the bills, and then when he finally reached another one, he wouldn't let it go. When you stop with you and don't let it go through, God will stop too. He wants you to give to them to reach that heathen. So who are the heathen? Uh, I don't know, somebody that don't know Jesus is what the definition is. It's not some guy in the middle of the South American uh, what, what jungle, rainforest, what they call them things, that's down there that's got, got us worshiping an idol. You're doing it every week on TV. You're a heathen if you're like that. What God wants is us to reach the people with the gospel before they go to hell. It's real simple. They're going to hell. You need to tell them. If you can't get there to the other part of that country, tell them, send somebody that will. Uh, listen, there's a lady called our church a couple weeks ago. She said, listen, there's no Bible-believing churches here. She's up north somewhere. I wrote her name down, and every day I pray for our missionaries. I wrote her name down with that in that town. You know why? God needs to send a missionary there. We found somebody who's open for it, reasonable. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to do that thing. So why do you say that? Because I believe God. I've seen God do less things quicker. That'll be nothing, nothing for him to do that. And you know what'll happen? She'll have a church to go to. She can't go to Calvary Hill. Ten states away. You know how she found out about the King James Bible? YouTube. Never heard that, those words together before. We support a missionary in Scotland. You know kind of where King James come from? They have a thing over there where you walk in and it says... 1611 to 2011, home of the King James Bible. The lady working the desk had no idea what a King James Bible was. That missionary told me, now I know why I'm here. If they don't know the Bible, they don't know the Lord. If I introduce them to the Lord, they'll get to the Bible. They'll thirst for it. And he told me this. He said, craziest thing is, we can't even have a church building over here because all of them are took up by the Calvinists over there. He says, so I found a little meeting hall, went to it. We got 25 people now. Isn't that something? You know, it'd be just perfect if you'd take him on too. What about these guys? Well, I can't take on missions, brother, because I believe God's done with those people. If God saved them, he'll save them. He don't need me. I'd like for you to look at Romans chapter 2 as the close of this thing this morning. I know I've kept it after 12, but you knew I was going to anyway. Romans chapter 2, God answers your very question. I heard somebody say one time that they, were, they was against uh, missions and against buying buses or something to reach people in the neighborhood. And the pastor of that church told me, he said, the guy quit on me. He said, if God wants to reach that heathen, he'll do it himself. He don't need this church for me and my money. Next thing you know, he's driving by church. It's Terry McMillan Church of our Washington vans. I thought, boy, that's just poetic justice right there. Take a guy that says, I won't do it, and put him in a place where you've got to wash the vans for the heathen to get on. I love it. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. For as many have sinned without law, shall also perish without law. They've never had the gospel preached to them. They're going to die and go to hell anyway. He says, and as many have sinned in the law, shall be judged by the law. What is that saying? The heathen's going to hell, and you're sitting here. Why are you still here? And listen, I don't want to put anybody in harm's way, but why don't you just do what God says? How many missionaries you got out of this church that's here, out of this church? Two. Maybe you go up to that place I'm talking about, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. God has to tell you. Is that fair enough? You might have somebody sitting there needs to be there. God's already been ringing your bells about it. And you're sitting here saying, well, I'm going to give faith promise so the heathen don't go to hell. Uh, that's kind of not what this is all about. You're giving that to the Lord to reach the heathen. 
Maybe God wants you to get some of that money and go to the heathen yourself. You know what would be crazy? Somebody's scared to go to jail, never been handcuffed, and God put them in a prison ministry. I say, you don't like going to jail. You ain't doing nothing to get there pretty quick, are you? Imagine you go in there the first time, you hear that thing locked behind you. And you think, oh God, I'm in here with all these convicts. Then they say you to another one. You go out that airlock, you walk out there and you look out there. There's 10,000 of them and they just looked at you. And Bubba looked at you. And he done his teeth at you. And you notice he had one missing where he bit the other guy that come in before you. Go thou and preach the gospel. Lord, uh, I'm going to jump this fence as they close the door. And you look over there 20 feet high with razor wire. Razor wire on the next and another foot. And you're going, I don't know what I'm going to do. Then all of a sudden, God lets you get in there and you go to preaching and five men get saved. So all them convicts get saved. No, they don't. South Carolina says four and five will come back within a year, one year. Why? They're lost. They, do, they're doing this, they went from the crack house to the church house and going back to the crack house. But then you run into a guy and he gets saved. And he's down there with Tony Finney. And here 10 years later, he's still there. God sent him a wife and all this other stuff. He went to work. Got another guy came to our church. Went through Bible Institute. God sent him a wife. And he went and pastored a church for a while. Now he's living down near Atlanta somewhere, helping his pastor down there. So what's that? God using that. We got a man that sits right there where you're at, Candace. Uh, got out of prison, how long? Two years ago, maybe? A year and a half? Been there every service. God gave him a job. He said, when's God going to give me a wife? I said, I hope he never does. <laughs> Unless she's just like you. Wouldn't that be cool? You think God can do it? He did it with the other two guys. He's a better looking guy than them other two guys. He'll do it. Hey, God's got a plan for your life and it involves you giving you first. Isaiah chapter 6, one of the most misunderstood chapters in the Bible. You know why? First thing happens in there, somebody dies and they never stop on that guy. But by verse 8, God in heaven saying, who will go for us? No angel answered. None. None. Zero. Who is he talking to? In a roundabout way, he is going to want Isaiah to answer that call. Did he answer it? Have you got Isaiah in your Bible? Not two Isaiahs, one. Written by the same man of the inspiration of God. And he said, who will go for us? Guess what? He went. And because of that, every Jew reads Isaiah 53 and knows there's somebody out there looking for them. He's a suffering servant. They don't know who he is, but they know he's there. And when their rabbi stands up and says, that's talking about the nation of Israel, they know it's not. Because deep down inside them, they know that somebody coming looking for them, and they know it's God. They just ain't figured out the A and the B part of it to get there yet. So what will what, what get them there? You. You. See, so you ever thought about being a missionary to the Jew? Well, what a, what a thing. You're going to go to a place where they hate you for two reasons. You're a Gentile and you're a Christian. So you're already behind the eight ball when you get on the field. So who will get them people one? God will, but he's going to use you to do it. How would you like to be a missionary to Packlet, South Carolina? You talking about a bunch. This is the only place this size that has Central Packlet and Packlet. You know, they've had a church split right over the town. I don't even know the history of that. I think it's funny. But I noticed that you've got more churches than you do people. Why is that? Somebody's not doing their job. Somebody somewhere dropped the ball and said, you know what? We're going to make this a social club. You don't belong to a social club. We want you to get out there. So what am I going to do? You're going to be a missionary to Packlet if you won't go to them other places. Well, I can't talk to them. Sure you can. You can talk about uh, Tom Brady, and you can talk about LeBron James, and you can talk about the president, and you can talk, you, you can talk to anybody. And here's the best part. If you can't ask God to help you, you'll be better than the guy that talks a lot. What I'm telling you is, faith promise don't start overseas. It starts here. With what decisions you make this morning and tonight. Are you willing to follow the Lord wherever he says go? We got that hymn in the hymn book. We're hypocrites singing it. Wherever. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm not, Lord, I'll send this dollar, but I ain't going. Maybe God wants you to go. 
I've seen God use stranger looking people new. Met somebody last night. I can't even think of her name. I think it was Gray. Lady wrote a book about uh, Sheba Stearns. God sent her a husband as a preacher. Bang, on the way we go. Isn't God good like that? Some of you ladies, you hunting a husband. What if he's a preacher? My wife wouldn't go to church for three months after I started to preach because she was wanting a saved person, not a preaching person. Are you listening? So how'd that fix? I don't know, but God did it. I just know when it happened. January 1995. God did that. See, most of you right now, if you're sitting here without your husband, you're not wanting a, you're not wanting a saved man. You're wanting behavior modification or it tends to you. You don't want him to drink and spend your money. You don't want him to kiss other women and stay married to you and him be a daughter and you be shamed by it. But if he gets saved, he'll put shame to you. Are you willing to follow the Lord? We ain't even talking about money now. We're talking about you. Are you willing to follow the Lord? Let's stand with every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we love you. God, I pray right now while we're here. There's probably somebody under the sound of my voice, Lord, that they need to make a decision for you. Lord, maybe somebody needs to get saved today. Maybe some missionary today that you've called. Lord, whatever it is, God, you'll show them where you want them, and you'll help them to get there. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, Pastor, you come and take the service, please. Just obey the Lord. Surrender to his will. What does he want you to do? Ask him. Sometimes you'll never find out if you don't ask him. So I'm asking this. Everybody in this building today saying, listen, I'm willing to ask the Lord what he wants me to do. Would you lift your hand up? Okay, that's about 100%. Father, thank you for this preaching. God, I ask you, Lord, challenge the hearts of your people. And God, we pray that you will do a miracle in this place. Lord, save the lost. Use us, Lord, to win the lost. And Lord, use us to win the lost overseas wherever the case may be, wherever missionaries are, wherever you'd lead us, God, help us. In Jesus' name we ask. Travis is going to play. God spoke to your heart in any manner. Would you respond to that invitation? Would you just drop, come to the altar and drop on your knees, settle that thing with the Lord? Just obey the Lord. That's all you got to do. Ask him what he wants you to do and do it. And let me say this. If you ask him and he tells you, he gives you a certain figure. He'll, he'll supply that. I promise you. Not one time has God ever failed to give me what I've needed with the figure that he gave me. Not once. And I've been doing this for 28 years. 28 years. My faith promise started off at uh, $10 a month. And I'm not going to tell you what it is now, but it far exceeds that. Thank Brother Little for coming, his wife. Appreciate the missionaries in the back here. God bless you. Thank you for coming. And come back tonight at 6 o'clock. You're dismissed.